Last week, uh, we started, uh, I guess, what is going to become a little bit of a series, and uh, I hope a thought-provoking series. I must admit, uh, these probably aren't my favourite messages to prepare. Uh, There's a lot more work in them than the standard (laughs) message for a start. Um, And I like to be inspirational. I'm not sure that these few messages over the next few weeks are like, you know, they're not, they're not rocket fuel, but I think they are necessary. Uh, who knows that if you just eat ice cream all the time, you're probably not going to be healthy. And, uh, and so I'm hoping to just add some and broaden some of our thinking, challenge some of our thinking on some areas that are really, I think we take for granted. We assume a lot in these areas. And last week I, I started this concept, this thought, I looked at Luke 22 and, um, and Jesus catching his disciples out arguing with one another over who would be the greatest. And uh, what I said about that passage is, of course, that Jesus didn't correct their belief. Their desire to be great was actually a reflection of the image of God. God is great. His greatness expands the heavens. I mean, we've been singing it this morning, words with great in them. And, um, and so to want to be great, to, if I put it this way, to want to transcend your circumstances and influence the world for better, that's a good thing. If that's what greatness is, that's a good thing. And Jesus did not correct their belief. What he corrected was their mental image of what that looked like. He corrected their imagination. They believed the right things, but to them, they had looked at the world around them. They'd taken their cues from culture. And so to them, uh, leadership, uh, greatness looked like stepping on others and exalting yourself over the top. And Jesus corrected that and said, no, if you want to be great, he didn't say stop thinking about being great. He said, if you want to be great, I'll tell you how to get there. Learn to be the servant of all. If you want to get to the top, head to the bottom and start pushing up. Lift others up. And so it's interesting because I guess that introduced the whole concept of how we can have right belief, we can, we can believe the right things, but translate it into, into the real world in a wrong way if we're not careful. And I actually uh, called the message having a, uh, an orthodox belief, uh, conventional is what orthodox means, an orthodox belief, but a pagan imagination so pagan simply meaning uh the gods of this world rule the gods of the flesh the gods of pleasure the gods of whatever it is the the current thought of this world is where you take your cue a pagan imagination and i want to continue that thought uh, uh, over the next few weeks this thought of because it's not just uh in, in uh uh you know that particular cultural cue of them looking at you know, the soldiers and the authority of the military or wherever they were taking their cues from. We take cues from culture everywhere, mix it with orthodox belief and end up with crazy caricatures of what God is really like or what the kingdom of God is really like. So that's what this next few weeks is all about. When I became a Christian at 21 years of age, uh, I thought, I didn't become a Christian because I loved Jesus. 
Um, that would come later. I didn't know Jesus. I couldn't love Jesus. So no one begins following Jesus because they love him. Uh, I actually began following Jesus because in my mind's eye, I didn't want to go to hell. That was that simple. And, and it wasn't that Christian friends had bombarded me with images of hell. I inherently knew that the lifestyle I was living, it was like I just inherently knew there was a price to pay for that. And I guess the, the image was hell, call it my Catholic upbringing, but mate, that was the image that came to my head. And so I did not want to listen to the words, go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven, which is really interesting because both of those concepts are exactly the same. Neither one of them are here. To go to was to leave where I was and go somewhere else, whether that was to go to heaven or to go to hell. The whole concept was it wasn't about here, it was about somewhere. So I want to talk to us today about what the hell is heaven. And I'm not saying that to be crass. I'm saying that because I think for both of those concepts, we're confused. There's a lot of confusion. Uh, and so I just want to dive in here and, uh, and begin talking about it. Um, you know, I must admit that most people, not that I've had a lot of these discussions, but if I've ever got in a discussion about heaven with people. So we're just going to deal with heaven today. Maybe hell next week. If I'm preaching next week, it'll be hell. Um, when you talk to people about it, it's like they assume on the surface, it's like, yeah, yeah, heaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got that locked down. No, everything I need to know. Yeah, heaven. Oh, heaven, heaven. Because every Christian knows about heaven. Surely. It's heaven. You know. Um, but at the same time, you can tell if, you, if the conversation goes on a little bit longer, there's not a lot to say. So I assume I just know what it is, but, but actually uh, don't get into too deep a conversation because I have no idea what that means. Which seems crazy because if heaven, if, if, if we put heaven this way, somewhere else is the goal is why Jesus came, why Jesus died, why we believe, why we worship God. If the goal is to go somewhere else, well, firstly, uh, wouldn't you think that all we would do continuously is study about that place? Wouldn't we know it to the nth degree if that's what all this was about? And, and when you think about it, I mean, Good question to ask. What did Jesus say about it? I mean, surely if that's what this is all about, Jesus had a lot to say about heaven, as in that place somewhere else. But actually you don't. You, you, you hear him talking a lot about here. You don't hear him talking a lot about somewhere, somewhere else. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus talked more about money, the right and wrong use of possessions and resources. He talked about that more than heaven and hell combined by about eight times, if you just do it by verse. 
So there is a reason why we don't talk about it much because probably Jesus didn't talk about it much as far as heaven someplace else. But he talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven and the age to come. And so I want to I look at some of this today. So what do you imagine when you think about heaven? When I say to you, heaven, what do you imagine? And can we have the first picture, please? Oh, they're a little bit naughty, I know. Uh, this is a real one. It hasn't been doctored with little handkerchiefs draped in strategic places. But I think we're all grown enough, grown up enough. You might not think ugly angel, because to me, I mean, that would freak me out. If I went there, it'd be like, that is the stuff of nightmares to wake up to that. But on some level, we think about heaven, I think most of us in our collective consciousness, we think about heaven as somewhere else up there in the clouds. Even if we don't get to the point of weird ugly little babies with wings or people playing harps. But it is up there, out there, somewhere else, somewhere ever real, somewhere unearthly. Which in one sense of heaven is true. In one sense, not the babies, but the ever real, the otherworldly. Of course, Jesus spoke a lot about the age to come. And, and this is not... That wasn't a new concept. That was a rabbinical concept. That we live in a particular age, this age, and that there is an age to come. There is a dispensation of time to come. But not just a dispensation of time. There was another reality that would be embraced. And Jesus spoke much, much, much about this. And uh, this is literally uh, an, a concept that's interchangeable with things like the kingdom of heaven. Where Jesus, you know, encouraged us to believe for God to touch the earth. The prayer that he taught us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. In the same way that it's done, where? In heaven. So for the, the, the Jewish mind of the time, and certainly the way Jesus talked about the bulk about heaven was more to do with God's power touching here and for Jewish folk, Alam Haba, they believed in this age to come where God's shalom peace would reign and shalom peace not just being an absence of violence, don't think of peace in that sense, but Shalom being prosperity and blessing and goodness and completeness and wholeness and healing and everything restored the way that it was once meant to be that this God of the ages will come back and what was lost in the garden will be restored to man and all things will be good again. That kind of peace is what the age to come represented and so that was Jesus mindset which is really funny if you think again about your imagination uh, that's talking about almost heaven here now um, so I've got another slide and uh, this is that looks pretty good to me looks peaceful 
looks prosperous. Who'd like to be there? Looks a little bit like Dan and Lauren, doesn't it? Like getting married in six days' time. Where is he? He's gone. He's serving kids. Serving kids. But in all honesty, that is a far more accurate picture of what Jesus spoke about than the ugly babies that came from Renaissance art. And the fact is, a lot of our thoughts about both heaven and hell are filtered more through popular culture, even ancient popular culture. We've filtered our imagination. Our imagination is enlivened by those images faster than images that may represent a more authentic and biblical view. The Hebrew prophets, if you go through the Hebrew prophets... They speak continuously of this age to come as being the fields full for harvest, the wine vats overflowing. It's earthy. It's, it's not somewhere else. It is, oh my goodness, this is life as it was meant to be. And it is food and it is drink and it is love and it is peace and it is prosperity. It is joy and it is life and it is people and they seem to be on the planet, not in a cloud. And so we have these images and I'm just wanting to sort of, maybe I'm not wanting to change our total view of heaven, I'm wanting to add to it. But I think that sometimes we've got the right image, but it's only a little piece of a much bigger picture. Have you ever found yourself in a moment that seemed a li- like a little slice of heaven? You know, anyone who's just laid back on a beach and it's just perfect weather, and you've probably felt like this is just heaven right now, just, just beautiful. Uh, but the fact is, that's subjective. That's distorted by our own fallen humanity because some people have got a weird idea of just a little slice of heaven. Some people have got a weird idea. Some people sew patchwork quilts. And if you're one of those people, God bless you, but that's not a little slice of heaven to me. But if you look at God's will, well, that's where there's no injustice. I mean, honestly, I think, doesn't injustice steam you? More than any other thing, to think that someone would be, would be bullied, whether that's a kid at school or whether that's a, a person by a large corporation, that someone could have their personal boundaries broken, shattered sexually, physically, emotionally. Doesn't that just steam you in justice? Well, where, where God's will is done, that little slice of heaven, there's no injustice. There's no Abuse. There's no lies. There's no violence. Instead, there is healing. There is wholeness. There is life. There is peace. There is joy. Does that sound like a little piece of heaven? So what is heaven? Uh, Well, maybe the best way to say it is it's not one thing, even though it is. And I'll explain that. It may be one thing, but experienced on different levels or at different times in what I said, different ages. In practical and simplistic terms, it is whenever and wherever God's will is done. Which leads to a couple of questions. When is heaven? Well, it's in the age to come. In other words, it's ahead in time. 
But scripture also talks about eternal life and people entering it immediately. So it is present in time because eternity transcends time. Maybe the best way to think about eternity is that eternity always was, always will be. And somewhere in the middle of it, we have time and human history as we understand it, which is like a parenthetical insertion, like brackets. And all of human history will be there before eternity continues unhindered. However, eternity runs through it all because you can't measure eternity with time. Eternity is not a really long time. It's something different. But we tend to think, again, in our imagination, um, that it's, oh, it's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Uh, but it's far more helpful to think of it as a circle. That never ends. It just never ends. It, it, no beginning, no end. Eternity. Our God. And uh, these are things that are hard for us to get our handle on but you can step into the life of God eternal life now and walk in it now so so heaven is certainly time-wise in an age to come and it is right now it's both now and then listen to what Paul says to Timothy 1 Timothy 4.8, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now, this is interesting because basically what Paul's saying is the only thing that's going to last is godliness. And in a sense, he's saying, get godly now. If I could put it this way, get in step with eternity now because that will help you in this current day and one day this current day will be swallowed up by the day that is to come it is both now and then are you okay out there not too confusing okay So here we've got the whole concept of living the future now. They are a continuum, in other words. It is now and it will be then. Don't live in such a way here that you'll feel uncomfortable in the future. Don't live in such a way now that the future looks incredibly different. Remember, heaven has gates. We all know what gates are for. For you to go in and for you to go out. For the meter man to go in and for him to go out really quickly when he works out there's a dog in the yard. That's what gates are for. And, And somehow in our mind, I don't know how it worked itself into Christian consciousness, but maybe that we don't need faith after death. Who told us that? What's to say that if we don't get into such a pattern of life now that is out of step with heaven, that when we step into the age to come, that we're uncomfortable with what God has prepared for us and may choose to leave? Why else would you put gates in heaven? Or are they one-way gates? We sort of assume that. 
And Paul, here's Paul saying, live it now, Timothy, and it'll be good for you now. And it'll be good for you later. Be renewed now. Experience God's peace now, his love, his wholeness now, and you will walk into it, into the future. So where is heaven? If that's when is heaven, where is heaven? Well, it's present in location. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's future in location. It's present here now and it's future in its location as well. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 4. And uh, John in his vision says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away and uh, an interesting passage it's it's figurative language for sure it's metaphor for sure but the the big numbers the big items in this are the same heaven is coming to earth and God is coming to earth because actually earth was his place. He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The whole Bible story, scripture starts with man on earth with God in a garden. The whole Bible story is a story of men journeying with God on earth. And at the end of the book, We see heaven on earth, a renewed earth, here and God dwelling amongst people again. So how we get this thought of it is somewhere else is not necessarily a thought that's contained in scripture. Another age, another way of being, certainly, another reality, certainly. But it all seems to point to here. Where is it? The focus of Jesus' teaching was kingdom present. Luke chapter 18, I just want to finish with this story and then I'm going to ask us a couple of questions. But Luke chapter 18, it's the rich young ruler. And uh, verses 18 through 23. Now a certain ruler asked him saying, Good teacher... What shall I do to inherit eternal life? That is every preacher's dream question. Now, but we often read that into what must I do to inherit heaven? And and as a matter of fact, Jesus even mentions heaven later on. That you'll store up treasure, you can store up treasure in heaven. So there seems to be a connection between eternal life and heaven. They're using the same language about the same thing. 
So Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when he said this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And, uh, and other, other passages, parallel passages say that he walked away. Parallel passages say that he was young, that he was rich. Um, the interesting thing here is when, when he's, you know, he's obviously a good guy. One of, the, one of the other parallel passages in another gospel says that Jesus looked at him and loved him when he said, I've done everything from my youth. Because Jesus could tell when it come to his connection with God, when it come to his connection with uh, the ever real, with the intangible, this guy had it all down pat. And then Jesus quotes, interestingly, five of six commandments that relate to our relationship with men. First four commandments are all about our relationship with God. The last six commandments are all about our relationship with man. And Jesus only quotes five of them. He leaves, do not covet, out. The tenth commandment is don't covet your neighbour's wife and don't covet your neighbour's goods. And Jesus leaves it out and then says this one thing you lack like, because he can say, those five you've quoted at me, I've done them all. I've done them all. Jesus said this one thing and then he quotes the one thing that's holding this guy back, think about it, from eternal life. He knows he hasn't got it. He's living prosperous. He's got resources. He's probably had a happy life. Exactly what Rob said around the giving message. He's got it all together, but he knows something is missing. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked the question. He knows there's a hole in his heart. He knows there's a, there's a void in his life. And he comes to Jesus and Jesus puts his finger right on the one thing that he can't do. Jesus said, if you could just sell what you've really put your faith in, if you could just trust God with all of your life. Uh, look, to tell you the truth, I've got no doubt this guy was going to heaven. To tell you the truth, this guy does better than most of us. Jesus didn't dispute that he, he didn't even ask him the first four commandments. He could tell. This is a good guy. Who'd be, who'd be happy if you went to heaven and you could say, I really only had one sin? In a sense, you know, simplistically, that's what this is saying. And yet he knew he was lacking something. He knew something was missing. And Jesus puts his finger right on, do not covet. He couldn't enter eternal life now he couldn't experience the life God had for him now because he was stuck to his possessions. Money was just a representation. It wasn't about that at all. It was about getting his whole heart. Can you trust God will look after you if you let go? 
Jesus taught it this way in another place. You know, the, the flowers of the field have no concerns. God clothes them. The birds of the air aren't worried about it and God's feeding them. They are living this eternal pattern of life I've created without fear, without favour, without shame. And then there's an invitation for us to do the same. This was about experiencing the God kind of life now, not just at the resurrection. So if your image of heaven is only future, somewhere else, you end up more focused on a future that is unknowable and intangible rather than engaging a tangible present reality now and bringing heaven to it. Jesus put it this way. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth. Yes, we will step into another age. We will step into another reality. But I tell you what, it shouldn't give you whiplash. It shouldn't be like some stunning revelation like, my goodness, now I've really discovered what it's all about. It actually should be more of the same if you're doing it right. Without the pain, without the tears, without the sickness, without the injustice. But actually looking a lot like more of the same. The the love that I'm given, the connections that I'm building, the joy that I'm finding in relationships, the joy that I find in helping people that can't thank me for it, the joy that I find in building others' lives, the joy that I find in celebrating and encouraging. It really shouldn't be too much different to that. So here's some questions for us really quickly. When you think of heaven, do you think present reality or future promise? It's both, it's both. But I suggest we focus on what we can know and change. And in a sense, if we do that, the rest is going to take care of itself. Bring heaven wherever you go here and you will one day step into heaven itself another question are your thoughts your words your attitudes your actions your vision for life a reflection of heaven a reflection of the age to come to those around you salt and light are you bringing heaven wherever you go Do your beliefs about heaven change your view of the world and what you see now? Or is heaven just again, just a a disconnected concept? One day, someday, or is it because I walk in the very present reality of the eternal? Therefore, when I look at this world I begin to see it the way God sees it my heart yearns for it the way that God yearns for it the brokenness of humanity is not an offense to me it is my opportunity to display Christ 
in all honesty, Christians should be the greatest greenies on the planet, but not the political idiots that we often see. But I mean creationists should be people who are concerned about this planet and this creation. Not because we've got some deluded concept of if we get all our ducks in a row, this planet will be fine. The Bible says it will pass away. But simply because we honour the creator when we honour what he's created, whether it's human or whether it's nature. So does our awareness of the eternal... Does it shape the way we live now? Do you see your relationship with God as a partnership in bringing heaven to earth? Not just praying that his will would be done, but determining to live his will so it can be seen. And all of a sudden, heaven takes on another dimension. And we are heavenly beings. We are destined for this. But, but just because right now we struggle with this veil of the flesh and all of its idiosyncrasies and its paradoxes and its pains, just because we struggle with that, we should never lose sight of the fact that we are moving in and flowing in a divine presence and an eternal force that is present reality not just maybe one day someday but right here right now would you stand with me today and uh, I've left those questions hang they're, they're, they're left hanging but I pray today has maybe shifted some of us and just our perception of eternal reality that we walk in right now heavenly father thank you for every heart every life here help us be salt and light lord help us live in the light of eternity not that someplace else or sometime else but that is actually in us right now eternal life help us father live as heavenly beings help us live in the light of the age to come where your will unequivocally will be done on earth as it is in heaven help us help us to live father for you in this present age as heavenly people in Jesus name in Jesus name come on why don't you just throw up a hand to heaven and just do a little business with God. Just allow him to maybe change some perception, maybe change some imagery in the head, maybe change some cultural baggage, even church culture. Let it shift to the present reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Eternal life now. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, I've talked a lot about, about heaven and, and what God has for us and maybe you're here with us today and that hasn't been your experience, like really experiencing life. Life 
spiritual life, it just, it, that hasn't been your experience, but you want it to be. And I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to put a, a prayer, a very simple prayer, up on the uh, screen. And it's just an opportunity for you to open your heart to God's eternal presence right here in this place. And, uh, and you just think about that for a moment. Is that what you want? Is that, is that where your life's journey is at? If you got to a point where it's like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this. And I want to tell you, friend, there is. A lot of people in this place have discovered it. And I want to give you the opportunity to. So just while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, just as, as we come to the end of the service, my friend, if, if that's you and you'd say, I need God's life in me. I need to step into this eternal life that'll go all the way through into the next age, even beyond physical death in this world. And you're here and you know that's what I, I need. Would you just raise your hand right where you are really quickly? Just take a bold step. And I'll just acknowledge it. You can put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'll just simply acknowledge you. But you take that step of faith. Here's an opportunity for you to say, you know what? Yep, I do. I need God's life in my life. Just right where you are. Just raise your hand up so I can see it. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay, let's pray together. Dear Jesus. I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. Let's go out and live in the light of eternity.